Just a note before we start. Our show talks about touchy subjects that may be difficult for some of our listeners. Take care of yourself. If you feel you need to seek help, see the links at the end of our show notes for resources. Welcome to Touchy Subjects, the podcast that aims to make those awkward conversations around domestic and sexual violence just a little less awkward. I'm Sean. I'm Allie. And I'm Sierra. And in today's episode, we'll be discussing pornography. Following our discussions on media in the past three episodes, we wanted to do this episode about pornography. And we want to encourage everybody listening to make your own decisions when it comes to what we're talking about today. Um, We're not necessarily advocating for or against pornography in any way, totally, Um, but we want to talk about some of the things that influence, uh, the work that we do. Yeah. Just as with any other form of media, it's important that when we are consuming it to be thinking about the messaging that we are receiving from it, because while yes, there might be some positive aspects to viewing pornography, there's also negative impacts that can come from it as well, just like with anything else. So with all of that being said, the way that we're going to reference pornography is we're going to talk about it like it's sexual junk food. So it's something that might be great for you in moderation if that's your thing, Um, but it's also something that can become very dangerous and addictive if taken too far. So let's first start with talking about some of the positives to pornography. I think pornography is a great way to help people explore their sexual preferences. So especially if I'm coming from a community that's not really, really open to talking about people in the LGBT community, or I know from a community that might be slightly harmful or harsh against someone who might be in that community, viewing pornography then allows me to kind of explore these different sexual identities without quite having to discuss it with other people that might put me put myself at risk, or also just looking at, well, maybe I'm not quite sure what I like, so I have this whole library now of things that I can look at to help kind of figure out what things I might like and what things I know I don't or what things I might find interesting, or what things I might just start shying away from. Yeah, it can be a safe way to explore one's sexuality, for sure. Yeah, and when we look at some research that's been done, 75 to 90% of people that have been studied said they were looking up porn out of curiosity to improve their sexual skills or knowledge and to increase the sexual enjoyment of and interest in sex. So they're viewing pornography as a means of figuring out how a sexual encounter could look, but also trying to just figure out what basically different options that they have. Right. And looking at pornography for those individuals is a way of normalizing sexual desire, which is, I think, something that in our society is often um, kind of squashed. Sex is still a taboo subject. Um, A lot of the things that we talk about on this show are taboo subjects. They're touchy right? But that's why we want to talk about them because sexual desire is normal. It's a biological part of being a human. Um, And so using pornography as a way to kind of explore that desire and feel like it's okay to have sexual feelings, um, some people find really helpful. When it comes to sex and watching porn, um, like Sean mentioned earlier, porn is like a library or it can be used as one. in terms of, like Allie just mentioned, people finding what their desires are and things of that nature. Um, So in other words, what I'm trying to say is 
sometimes people use porn as a way to explore what they want to try and um, use in their own sex lives. And that's totally fine and that's totally normal. The only thing that we want to also go ahead then and normalize is having these conversations with your partners. Because it's one thing to see something that you're watching and think, oh, I might like that. That might be kind of fun. However, you can't just go in the bedroom and expect your partner to be right on par with what you're expecting. Um, So it's important to know that porn can be used as a teaching tool, like we've mentioned, but it is not real life, and it's not something that everybody is going to be reenacting. So having that conversation about what you're comfortable with and what your partner's comfortable with is something that is still so necessary. I think that this is really difficult for a lot of people, especially couples, because, you know, I talked about the fact that sexual desire is not something that is really normalized in our culture. Um, And porn itself is kind of taboo as well. And so, you know, even in our field, when we were talking about this episode, we kind of struggled to figure out how to tactfully discuss the issue of porn or, or the topic of porn um, because we don't want it to be offensive. But the the reality is that this is a part of American culture. Pornography is not going anywhere. It has been around for a very long time and it will continue to be around. So, um, you know, talking about these taboo things can open the door to allowing people to discuss them in healthy ways with other people. Especially when considering that pornography, like Ali said, isn't going anywhere. If you look at Pornhub statistics, they release an insights every year. Of the seven years they've been doing their insights, every year the number of viewership, every year the number of minutes uploaded to Pornhub has only gone up. This year, I think it was every nine minutes enough content is uploaded to Pornhub to last a full day. That's a lot of content. Yeah. And we're looking at just in terms of viewership. The United States is the biggest viewer of Pornhub, like of porn on Pornhub. And the amount of minutes watched in the United States equals the amount of minutes watched in, the, in Japan, the United Kingdom, Canada, and France combined, which is the next top, which is the next four in the top five. Yeesh. Dang. <laughs> so Americans are consuming porn at a very high rate, which also means that it is important for us to be having this discussion because- yeah. Like you said, Allie, this is a touchy subject for people to even talk about in general, especially for us. So like even when I'm doing presentations in schools, I will make sure I ask the teachers before I have the discussion. Like if I talk about porn, is that okay, or would you rather me not do it? Right. Yeah, it is just a part of American sexuality. And by not discussing it, we're really doing our culture a disservice and we're not addressing something that's so very clearly integral to sexuality i think another part that goes into that too is when we're not discussing these things we know that they're happening and we know that people are consuming this type of media um but i mean think back to when you were young think back to when you were um in high school or early college or whatever and there were a lot of people who if their partners were watching porn their immediate response was to be very um, self-conscious and thinking, well, am I not enough for my partner? Like, you know, things like that. And so I think that's another thing, too, with how taboo the topic of um, watching porn is. 
it adds to that sort of mindset as well. So really it's every aspect that comes around pornography that's taboo. It's not just the act of viewing pornography. Because even in our own field, people have discussions constantly about, well, is is pornography empowering towards women or is it more so harmful to women? And really, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Right. There's not really a clear yes or no to either of those questions. Um, it's a little bit of a gray area. And it kind of depends on what aspect you are looking at and from what point of view. Yeah. So like on one hand, sure, it can be empowering for women if those women are doing it of their own volition it can definitely be empowering to them. I can see how that can be. But on the other hand, when you look at it, is it it's it's reinforcing the objectification that we have of women because women are being reduced just to objects and porn. It continues to perpetuate the acts of violence that we see towards women because it's normalizing the violence that's taking place. So really it's, like I said, that double-edged sword. It can be empowering in cases, but also it, it can be harmful. Going off of that, porn can be both empowering and disempowering to the same person. Um, so somebody could be going into porn thinking that they're very um, body positive, very sex positive, and that's really great for them. However, their experiences can also shift and change. I mean, people are allowed to grow and adapt as individuals, and I think that's where a lot of stigma comes around too, um, is they see these people who are getting into the porn industry and there you know there's that stigma around oh well that person just thinks so highly of themselves or whatever or then the opposite happens where um if something bad were to happen to whoever it is that's participating in porn then you know the general public's view is then well they they asked for it they brought it upon themselves when it's you know it's not the case somebody could be very much into what they're doing in the beginning and then change their opinion as time goes on I want to say, too, that the the types of situations that Sierra is talking about now is we're, we're specifically referencing individuals who choose to engage in making pornography. Yes. Um, and so like Sean said earlier, it's not just viewing pornography that can be both beneficial and harmful. It's also the porn industry itself. Um, and so there's a lot of facets to this issue that we're talking about, and, and sometimes they all kind of meld together. Yeah, a good example um, would be a person that probably a lot of our male listeners specifically know about, um, Mia Khalifa. Mia Khalifa was a porn star between the years of 2014 and 2015. Yet, if you look at Pornhub statistics of 2019 in review, she was the second most searched porn star. But she hasn't been active in the porn industry since 2015? Yeah, she has not been active since 2015. Oh, wow. And... Recently, too, I think in the middle of last year, she did an interview, which probably also might have helped shoot her up a little bit in terms of viewership. But she did an interview talking about her life in pornography. And she mentions in the interview that she didn't just start out in porn by doing porn. She started out with more of, um, and what her quote was like, Oh, you're so beautiful. Would you like to do some modeling? Oh, you have a great body. I think you should do nude modeling. Those are the things that people were telling her. So she started out doing modeling. And this is also the first time in her life that she had ever heard that kind of stuff. So someone whose self-esteem is already really low, now finally getting that validation from somebody else and wanting to keep that validation, it's really easy for them to continually fall into this. Okay, so now I'm doing modeling. Now I'm doing nude modeling. Well, maybe now I'm going into video. 
and then end up in porn and there's that reinforcement every step of the way for them we're like oh this is great you look awesome you're beautiful so when searching for that validation and continually getting it it allows that person then to move on to that next step then the next step then the next step and she also mentions that um having a like if they had she had a lawyer look through all the paperwork that she was signing and stuff beforehand and she's like what 21 year old has a lawyer available to them like i can't just call up my lawyer at 21 years old to look through all of this stuff and we see that a lot too then with someone who's a victim of domestic violence or sexual assault as well is that they're consistently getting this validation or having their self-esteem lowered and then brought back up to help make them trapped or help keep them in that life so directors and stuff of porn are using the same tactics that we see abusers use to maintain their power that they have over some of their victims right it's kind of a gradual increase until the end result which is being you know in a in a pornographic film or you know in the case of domestic violence being in an abusive relationship we've talked about that in a couple of our episodes where um you know it doesn't always start with you know what i want to be when i grow up is i want to be a porn star you know it 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 is, you know what I want to be when I grow up? I want to be loved and I want to be happy. And then that gradual reinforcement happens. Um, and again, so this is a choice for a lot of women in the industry um, and a lot of men too, um, anybody who, who does does pornography. But um, there is also kind of a darker side to the making of pornographic material um, in which the subjects of these films are not doing this by choice. Yeah. And Mia Khalifa in that same interview kind of mentions that as well. And one of her quotes that she has, um, she started to get a lot of like messages and stuff from other people who work currently in the porn industry. And she's said, and I quote, reading the words of some of these girls who have been sex trafficked or forced into porn and all of these stories of girls whose lives have been ruined by it and by men who have taken advantage of them and by contracts that they didn't even understand the jargon of. It makes me feel like it was a good thing that maybe I started talking about this and I posted the interview and that speaking out now because other people feel the same way. And even if they don't relate on a deep level as doing porn, they can relate to some level of being insecure and being pressured into doing something they didn't want to do. Exactly. You have no way of knowing when you're sitting there watching porn, if it's actually a consensual act or not. Yeah. So really it's one of the things I talk about with a lot of my friends when we're talking about porn, like I remember having a discussion with one of my friends, like while we were just playing Call of Duty the one night and he was like, I guess I don't really fully understand like what you do for a job. And I was like, oh, I talk about blah, 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 blah. He's like, wait, you didn't see you said porn. Like, what do you talk about when you talk about porn? I was like, well, sometimes the people who are doing it aren't always there. He's like, what do you mean you that no some idea. of the people in porn aren't doing it because they want to or they're being forced to? And at the end of the discussion, he's like, man. You just ruined porn for me. (laughs) Well, that is part of our job. Sometimes we ruin things for people. Yeah, sometimes we ruin fun things. But it is true that the porn industry is a major influencer in in sex trafficking and human trafficking in America. And I think this brings us to a good point where we can take a break. Um, So when we'll be back, we'll start diving in a little bit further into the discussions about what maybe some of these negative impacts that pornography pornography can have on our society so we'll be back the national human trafficking hotline connects victims and survivors of sex and labor trafficking with services and supports to get help and stay safe 
The National Hotline also receives tips about potential situations of sex and labor trafficking and facilitates reporting that information to the appropriate authorities in certain cases. If you are a victim or a survivor or suspect a human trafficking situation, you can call 1-888-373-7888 or text 233-733 to get help. Welcome back. Like we were talking about, there's both positives and negatives when it comes to pornography. What we're going to do now is dive a little bit deeper into that quote-unquote sexual junk food aspect of pornography, and we're going to talk about some of the downfalls that do come alongside with that. So first things first, pornography really feeds into the objectification of women. So when looking at pornography and the objectification piece, women's roles in pornography in a vast majority of pornography films is simply just to be there to please the guy. That is their sole purpose. Their reason for being there is just to get that guy off. Because just think about it, when does porn usually end? It ends when the guy gets off. Her needs are never discussed. Her needs are probably not being met. Consent is never discussed at all throughout it. It's just implied. So her sole reason for being there is just this object to get him off. Yeah, so another thing that feeds into the objectification of women in pornography is the fact that, as Sean said, their generally, their sole role is to please the partner, um, usually a man. Um, and this plays into the double standard that our society has regarding women and sexuality. So while on one hand, especially in pornography, women are expected to be sexual objects, right? Um on the other hand, in real life, it's not common for women to be allowed to have their own sexuality or sexual feelings, um, yet men are allowed to do that. And so it just plays into that double standard that um, places women at a lower, you know, it places them on an object level. And if we think about women being solely there to get the guy off, if we're looking at how that, how that creates expectations then for a sexual encounter... Well, if how I'm viewing a sexual encounter is how I've learned to view it from pornography, I'm expecting my partner to be there just to get me off. I'm not really putting any stock in her getting off or her experience during all of this. My sole objective there is to get off and she is a means to an end. And if we end up normalizing women being just a needs to an end or being that object, it's then making it easier for, easier for us as a society to then blame women for the violence that they're experiencing or when we put them through violence because in order for someone to perpetuate violence against someone else they need to first view that person as less than them or not their equal so if i've learned to view women then as this object for me to get off i'm clearly not viewing them as an equal because just like i don't view my television or my xbox as an equal to me i'm not going to view a potential partner as an equal so then porn does a disservice for people who are using it as an educational tool to enhance or explore their own sexuality because not only does it show women being used as objects or there being violence against women but those that are being abused are a majority of the time either showing no expression whatsoever or they're looking like that violence was pleasurable to them which in a lot of cases for you know the normal day-to-day sex life that's not actually a normal experience, and that's something that is painful. So again, that goes to what we were talking about earlier, is making sure that if you're using porn for 
an educational component or something to spice up your own sexual life. It's something that needs to be a conversation with your partner. It's important too that if you are planning on using pornography as a means to understand how like BDSM works or what things you might like to experience in a relationship, that one, like Sierra said earlier, that you're having that discussion with them to say like, hey, would you be okay with this by using porn as that instructional tool, but also understanding that oftentimes porn isn't really depicting BDSM in the correct way. So that's not to say that BDSM is bad because if that's something that you enjoy and it's done in a safe manner and all partners involved are okay with what's happening, then it's perfectly fine. But making sure that what is going on is okay and done in the way that is going to be the safest for every participant is important. The problem is that none of these videos on Pornhub or you know RedTube or any of these pornography sites have little disclaimers that say, hey, before you try to recreate any of these acts maybe you should talk to your partner and see if they're consensual and willing to do that like there's no warning label for these these videos and there's no way for especially young people um who are watching these videos to know that that some of the things that are depicted are not healthy Um, and this is a another really problematic part of pornography is that it is incredibly accessible right now we live in a tech world we live in a world where literally at the the push of a button you can access pornography and kids are getting technology younger and younger Um, but our sex education in america is not progressing with it and so these videos don't have instructions with them on how to be healthy doing it So because there's no education that comes along with it, kids aren't understanding what sex really looks like. Um, It doesn't, for example, porn doesn't show the consequences that come with making the decision to have sex. Um, Porn doesn't show consent most of the time to having sex. And so uh, they're not going to know what consent looks or feels like in a sexual encounter. Um, And like I said, it's available immediately. And so that idea that I can be you know i can feel this pleasure whenever i want is fresh in kids minds and when we think about when teens are first kind of exposed or when people are first kind of exposed to sex education it's usually not their high school or middle school health class it's usually going to be either through porn or from their friends who have watched porn so like 39 percent of 14 year olds have reported seeing porn with about one third of young people saying that they had seen it for the first time at age 12 or younger so in general, pornography or conversations with their friends are going to be those first experiences that they're going to have with a sexual encounter, which, like we talked about, then can set them up to have really poor expectations of how that encounter looks. Shameless plug for parents out there. This is another topic that we'll probably talk about at some point, but talking about sex and sexuality with your kids is super crucial, and this is one of the reasons why. Think about how accessible pornography is to your kids right now. Um part of the reason that we think this is a really important discussion and rant i'm so glad you mentioned that though because i was thinking about like how can i put it in here nicely that if you're a parent listening this is something that you need to be talking about to you your need student, to be concerned about to your oh. students and another one is looking at minors who have viewed pornography or other sexualized media they're more accepting of sexual violence and more likely to believe rape myths like that if a woman is wearing revealing clothing that she is partially to blame for being raped 
or believing that women enjoy being raped because maybe they do get wet when it's happening, which is just a bodily response to it, not them enjoying what's happening to them. So going back to that that point that we made about how violence against women being perpetuated in porn sets them up to have these poor expectations, just the fact that they're viewing porn, they become more accepting of sexual violence. Also considering the fact that a study of 14 to 19 year olds found that females who consumed porn were at a significantly greater risk of being victims of sexual harassment or sexual assault. Wow, that's really interesting. So having these discussions, like Ali said, with your kids about porn is super important to help them understand the messaging that they're getting isn't really that great. But also when porn isn't the only encounter they're going to have with a sex with um, with sex, but also when you take into the fact that 15 years old is the average age of somebody receiving a sext or a sexual text message or video or photograph of somebody else, they're going to be exposed to this probably far sooner than when their health class can get to them. So porn normalizes the idea that we can videotape or take pictures of um, or otherwise record these moments of what's supposed to be intimacy. Um, So that goes into, like Sean just said, sexting, whether that's taking a um, revealing photo or saying something sexual. Again, that's something to note that that still does require consent. Um, Same thing goes for recording sexual activity. Um, And that can be, you know, the act of having sex can be something that's completely consensual. But if that's being recorded and one person doesn't know about it, that's not consensual. So like we just mentioned to you parents out there, these are things that you do need to talk to your children about because it's not something that is just happening amongst consenting adults. It's happening in middle school, in high school. You know, it's things that needs to be addressed. So it's really important to talk to your kids about sex because, you know, as awkward as it is, they need to hear about it. And it's your responsibility to make sure that, you know, you're raising children who are able to identify what's consensual and what's not and able to effectively communicate with their partners. And yeah, it's going to be awkward, but in the long run, isn't being awkward for a little bit so much better knowing that your kids are safe right and don't worry for any parents that are out there we will have an like i said we will have an episode and we've got lots of really good tips about talking to your kids all throughout the lifespan that you have them um, about sex but for this topic particularly it's just important to know both for adults and for kids that porn isn't going anywhere and just as we talked about with our media episodes previously we want Anybody that's listening to this to think about the way they consume media and to be informed about it because by being informed and making informed decisions, we can not only influence, you know, our culture, but we can also influence where the industry goes and maybe porn won't be so violent in a generation or two. I mean, that would be what we would hope, right, in this industry, Um so it's just it's, this is a really important conversation to have. We can't stick our heads in the sand on this one. It's not it's difficult to talk about and it's a struggle, you know, even for us, but if we ignore it, then it's just going to be another thing that that influences, you know, rape culture and and violence in our in our society. And speaking to the 
point that you made about if we want to influence our culture and look at how pornography can potentially change, the number one looked up term on Pornhub in 2019 was amateur. So if amateur porn is being viewed the most often, so it's not us having to advocate towards directors and porn stars about how their porn is set up. It's the amateurs who are uploading content. Like I said earlier, every nine minutes, a full day's worth of pornography content is being uploaded to Pornhub. If we can start changing how people start filming their own porn and filming their amateur stuff and uploading that, if Pornhub starts seeing that that's the stuff that's getting the most views or getting more views, they're going to start changing how they're doing things. And the big porn stars and the big directors, they're going to have to change the way they're doing things too if they want to keep up. You know, speaking to that point, I was just listening to another podcast that was also mentioning porn and they were mentioning how um, they had found this guy who was uploading his own amateur porn. However, it would have a very suggestive title, making you think that it was going to be some really out there porn that you were going to watch and you got on there and it was just having brunch with your sister, nothing sexual happening, nothing, no touching or putting away the laundry or something like that. So, I mean, that's just... Not that, you know, obviously, if you're looking up porn, you're going to be expecting these things. But that just speaks to the point that you have power over what people are expecting if you are somebody who is uploading this content. I also think he was invited to, like, Pornhub's, like, awards or, like, just, like, the porn awards. Like, I'm pretty sure he was invited to it because of those videos. I hope so. (laughs) Now, we do want to mention before we close this episode out that pornography can be addicting. Um, and this is a very real addiction, just as substance use disorders are recognized as very real addictions. And so we're not going to get too much into that, but we do want to recognize that this can become more than just something that you do occasionally. So if you or somebody that you know might have an addiction to porn, there is help out there. You can call the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, also known as SAMHSA. Their national helpline is one 800 622 4357. And with that, it brings us to the end of the episode. So if you want to keep up to date with everything that we have going on, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at TouchySubsPod, or email us any feedback or questions to TouchySubjectsPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. We hope that you found it to be resourceful. Um, In the meantime, of course, don't be afraid to challenge, ask, and discuss when it comes to touchy subjects.